the end kind of cuts off there. That was an audio flub on my part. When Stephanie mentioned the Superbird song that her mom played for her over and over again, it made me think of my childhood. I was always obsessed with the idea of magic and would often ask my mom if magic was real. And her answer was always yes. Yes, if you believe it's real, it's real. And I would follow up with, but do you believe it's real? And she would always say, yes. So much like Stephanie's Superbird song, these brief but frequent conversations with my mom were tremendously influential in my life, and they still are. In fact, I believe full on that one of the main reasons I'm so curious and so willing to believe in the magical mysteries of the woo is because of my early belief in the existence of magic. One of my favorite movies when I was young was Hook. And I'm sure many of my millennial listeners have a fondness for this movie as well. My favorite scene that I would sometimes rewind and watch over and over again was when the lost boys and the confused adult Peter Pan, played by the impeccable Robin Williams, prepare for dinner after a long day of training. Remember, they're trying to get the adult Peter Pan to remember himself. He forgot that he's Peter Pan. And so they're training him. And adult Peter Pan is starving after this long, long day. But when he gets to the table, he sees that all the pots and bowls and platters of food are actually empty. And obviously he's like, what the fuck? And the Lost Boys try to explain to him that he has to believe that the food is there for it to appear. He has to play. He has to pretend. He has to remember how to tap into his imagination. And then, and only then, Will his intrinsic Peter Pan magic come back online? I love that scene because then they get into a big food fight. It's so good. It's like the moment that he gets it for a second. And that's not an uncommon theme in many of our most beloved stories. This notion is even echoed in the Bible when Jesus says, quote, Even the least among you can do all that I have done and even greater things. John chapter 14, verse 12. Now, I'm not super big into the Bible, but I took a Bible course in college because I wanted to be able to argue with people who had staunch Christian backgrounds. But the point is, the divine miracles that Jesus was able to perform, we too could perform. The only difference between he and the average person is that he believed with every rudiment of his being that he could perform said miracles. His awareness and understanding of himself within the context of our shared perceived reality and the cosmos at large was so broad and so heightened that he operated in an enlightened state. This is a tough one though, right? Like you could say, I believe I can walk on water. I believe I can turn water into wine. That is not what creates a belief. If that were the only necessary component for these kinds of magical workings and miracles, the practice of reciting affirmations alone would yield far more results. 
Of course, affirmations can work, but they almost always have to be in tandem with a very, very unwavering belief that you already have established or added elements to amp up that magic, including emotions, visualization, essentially curating or creating new beliefs for yourself or generating new neural pathways for yourself. But this, of course, begs the question, so what creates belief then? And that's a whopper of a question because it's not just one thing that creates our beliefs. So here's a quote from the book, The Biochemistry of Belief. Beliefs originate from what we hear and keep on hearing from others ever since we were children. And even before that, the sources of beliefs include environment, events, knowledge, past experiences, visualization, etc. One of the biggest misconceptions people often harbor is that belief is a static intellectual concept. Nothing can be farther from the truth. Beliefs are a choice. We have the power to choose our beliefs. Our beliefs become our reality. So we do have the ability to change our beliefs and therefore further hone our magical abilities and eventually change what we perceive as our quote unquote external reality. But this is not something that we're taught by our society at large. And maybe that's why the witches were burnt at the stake, because they knew how to hone their magical craft and did not make good little conforming citizens that the powers that be so desperately wanted and still want to this day. I don't want to get too conspiracy theory-ish, but come on. Our system is built in a way that focuses on working for the machine of capitalism. And it does not work for the machine of cultivating our receptive, intuitive powers and magic. Okay, I'm stepping off of my soapbox. I am done. In other news, though, I did go on a sort of a rant about ghost hunters on the traditional current paranormal TV circuit, and I may have been too heavy-handed. I'd probably shit my pants and run in the opposite direction, too, if I called in an inhuman entity and it arrived. Let me just be real about that. Maybe not. Maybe if I had somebody like Stephanie facilitate that meeting, I could get through it without pooping myself. But my point was that I want to get better at that. I want to get better at learning how to not judge something that's radically different in form and energy than me, because that is where some of the most exciting magic happens. And that is where I want to be. You can check out what Stephanie is up to on her social media. And if you love Follow the Woo, you can support this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash follow the woo. And all of those links will be in the show notes per usual. Happy Mercury and retrograde humans. If you're trying to figure out your magical practices and you want to talk about it, you can always email me. You know where to find me. Okay. All right. Bye.